God is good, isn't he? He's got a plan and a purpose for each of us. He has never left us. He's never abandoned us. He's never forsaken us. No matter what it looks like, he's never, ever left you. He was with you every single second of every mistake you made. Wait a second, let me say that again. He was with every second of every mistake you made. He was with you. He might not have been pleased with the the action you were doing, but he still loved you. He never stopped loving you and never stopped being faithful to you. Let me say that again. He may not have liked the action that you were doing, but he never stopped loving you. He loves you so much. Jesus loves us, and he's got a plan for us. And I'm excited. I'll get right into this just so I can be uh, respectful of your time today. But I've been uh, preaching this sermon. I'm gonna, this is part two of a sermon series called The Setup. I want you to say out loud, God, set me up. <laughs> God set you up. The devil loves to try to make you feel like, man, um, uh, everything in my life has been a failure. The devil wants to tell you, your mind wants to tell you that you've lost so much time. Your mind and the enemy wants to tell you that you've lost so much of your youth. He wants to try to tell you that you lost so much of your strength. Nothing left of you. But it wasn't a setback. It was God setting you up. May look like a setback, but it wasn't a setback. It was God setting you up. You know, the Holy Spirit just gave me that line a couple weeks ago, and I thought, wow, Lord, that is so good. I Googled it, and it's been said about a million times. But I was excited, whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, we're all in this together. It's other ministers, too. But I was excited that I didn't have to Google it to find it. I didn't go looking for a line from the Holy Spirit. We can do that sometimes. Sometimes we're seeking the Lord, and we get, we, we're too quick to get on the, the, the artificial Holy Spirit. Come on, don't tell me it's not. Anything I want to know about anything, anytime, anywhere, anyone, I can ask the Holy Spirit, right? It's called Google, <laughs> right? So we got to be careful. So I was so excited that I didn't have a concept and an idea and then go looking and searching and, and going through this and that. And that's okay too, but I was just excited that the Lord just dropped that in my spirit. And that's nothing, I'm not saying that about me. I'm just mean that the Lord had something special for here, for us, that I didn't go give you guys a second, you know, something that's been done before. This is just, this is for you. The Lord spoke that word for this church. And I'm so excited for that, that we need to be, uh, we need faith again. Come on, we need faith again. We need to let him work. We need to let him do something. He's got something better for you. He's got something better in store for you than what you ever could have done on your own. Come on, when we do things on our own, we mess it up. But when God does something in his time and in his way, wait, I got to say that again. When God does something for you in his time, in his time and in his way, there's no comparison. You can't even compare it. And in fact, you actually, it's actually dangerous to try to compare it. You try to compare what you think you could have been or should have been or where and all that to where, what God is doing in your life. Don't even try to compare it because you have no idea 
First of all, what God is actually doing behind the scenes in the spirit through you right now, present time, but you have no idea what he's going to do through you in future tense, not just in, in your lifetime, but I mean in lifetimes ahead. Who knows who you are? I've said that before in this church, but God wants to say that again. You don't know who you are. We got one direction. We've got the Father. We've got the Lord. We got to look to him. Your, the Bible says that your heart is exceedingly deceitful. Your heart will lie to you. Your heart tells you whatever you want to hear. You can't listen to that. You got to listen to the heart of the Lord, right? That's why David said, I'm going to give you my heart. Here's my heart. Take that because I don't want that. Give me your heart. I want a heart like yours and mine. I want to see like you see. I want to hear like you hear. I want to walk like you walk. So God is doing something in us. Who believes that? Who believes that God is present tense doing something right now for this church? I'm so excited because God, uh, I'm really, really excited right now in particular just because I believe that it was a, a monumental week for us as a church last week to have um, Pastor Benjamin Arde, Prophet Benjamin Arde come through here. And um, he touched our hearts and touched this place. It was, it was a moment from God. It really was. And we need to grab a hold of it. In fact, um, I encourage you, it's on our podcast, go and listen. And, um, but also, if you'd like it in a CD form, get the CD from Mariah. Mariah, get the CD from her and uh, listen to it again. And God touched some people, even my Uncle Todd, his shoulder was instantly healed during that service. And we should be testifying, right? Yes, yes. I did it for you to make it a little bit easier. <laughs> testifying for you. But, but God is touch, he's moving in this place. He wants to move in this valley again. And that's been my heart for this valley. And I've felt the brokenness and the hurting of this valley. And, and I have not shared any of that with him. And he came in and picked that up by the Spirit of God, that that's what this valley, I've not shared one word about that, but he felt the brokenness and the hurting of this valley and the kicked aside and the lost and the abused and so on. And worse, even darker stuff. And, but God is lifting. God's eye is on this valley and he's looking and he sees. He has not turned a blind eye. We just don't understand the setbacks. We don't understand that they're actually setups. All of it. It's all a setup. So let's get right into it. God is giving us, he's giving us a chance to um, do again what he had started a long time ago. And it looks like you lost. It looks like it was over. But I'm going to look at the story of Joseph quickly. And uh, we're going to look at him in Genesis uh, chapter 37. And there's three main points that I've been making, uh, started last week and I'll be making today and next week, which is God gives the dream. Then God puts you in a position for the dream to come about, to start coming through you. And finally, then the Lord starts fulfilling the dream. But it's really three parts. And you can't skip it. There is no skipping in God. You can't skip ahead. And if you skip ahead, you're just going to mess things up. And so in Genesis chapter 37, in Joseph's story, God gave him a dream, a literal dream. Genesis 37, verse 5. I'm just going to breeze through this. Uh, this was last week. He had a dream, verse 5. Joseph had a dream. Everybody say, I had a dream. God put a dream inside your heart. And I don't want to skip ahead to week three, but what, what God ends up doing through you, I can't help it. I want to preach week three today because I'm so encouraged because that's the culmination. And you can't skip ahead, but I will say this as an encouragement. By the time that the Lord actually, I just need to do this as a disclosure. Your dream is not your dream. 
By the time that that dream comes out of you, there's so little of you left. (laughs) You don't even care about the dream anymore. You don't even want the dream. And that's the moment that God's got your heart ready to fulfill the dream. Come on. All right. If you know Joseph's story, all right, that's the truth. That's the truth. But God gives you the dream. And it's exciting at first. Who's been excited by God, something the Lord's touched your heart with and you put it in there and you know it was God. And he started touching, he started moving in you and then um, some of us go about bragging about it. You don't even mean to. It's actually like people have preached about Joseph so many different ways and I've read his story again with just, a, and I, I don't see a ton of, I, there is, there could be pride there. But the Bible doesn't say he was prideful. I think he was also just an excited 17 year old with what God had told him right? 17 years old, God gives you a dream. You just come out of your dream and go, wow, this is what God showed me. This is what God told me. Amen? But there could have been some pride in there. I don't think, I think we should be careful. We should be careful to not preach things that don't, that the word doesn't say. But I can assume, we can say it could be pride. It might not have been pride. I just, it could have been either. But his brothers, nonetheless, thought it was pride. Whether it was or not, his brothers did. His brothers hated him for his dream. And then he has another dream, doesn't he? And he even tells his father this time. And his father even, he doesn't hate his son. He actually, his father loved his son. It was part of the hatred's problem, part of the problem. His father loved him so much. His brothers were jealous of that. Your brothers have been jealous of the call of God in you. Even brothers and sisters can see the call inside you. You know that. God uses us, and so does the devil. You know the devil uses you too? Peter and Jesus. This is Jesus' main man. This is Peter. Peter says, no way, Jesus. I'm not letting you go to the cross. And he says, Satan, get behind me. So sometimes the devil uses us, even Peter. He uses us. And so they hated him and they told him, you know, his father scolded him. In verse 10, what kind of dream is that? You think your brothers and I are actually going to bow down to you? And, you know, um, his brothers, they sold him into slavery. They sold him and he ends up in Egypt because of them. And it's out of hatred and envy. Hatred and envy sold their brother into slavery. Let me say that again. Hatred and envy sold their brother into slavery. And I love the word because the word has so many types and shadows. You know, that term, it's not used as much anymore, but there's so many levels and it points to Christ, but then it also points through Christ back to us. So we can look at this and see, wow, that's, that was a prophecy of Jesus. His own brothers, as the Bible says, even, even the, the, they understood that. They even understood it at the time. That, that hatred and envy, the Bible says, put Jesus on the cross. Hatred and envy. But also we can go through Christ and we can look at us. And I just want to say this, that many here had dreams that were squashed. Uh, and they were squashed by those who ha- should have supported you. Your dreams were, uh, many were excited about the lives ahead and what God could do through you. And it was stolen from you, taken. And it's sad but many have been sold off into the world by even your own brothers in Christ. It was his brothers. The Egyptians did not come and kidnap Joseph. His own brothers sold him off into slavery. So this is a, 
one last week three preview. Do, don't let hatred and envy and rejection that came at you, don't let it fuel your emotions. That's exactly what the devil wants. If anybody had any right to be bitter, it was Joseph. Anybody here been sold into the slave trade? I didn't think I would get a hand raised for that. But spiritually, many of us, even by our own brothers and sisters in Christ, have felt such horrible rejection and hatred and envy of what God was doing in you. This is not a sermon that I can preach outside the church. This is a church sermon. Everybody say it's a church sermon. This might not make a lot of sense to someone in the world, but if you've been in the church, if you've been serving God, who knows it's starting to make a little bit of sense already? Who's, is this making sense for anybody here? God put something in your heart, and you even felt like you're even your own brothers and sisters, and we have zero right to have any response in our flesh. We have zero right to respond with any flesh. Not even one word is allowed to come out of our mouth. Jesus showed us the way as they were driving the nails into his hands. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. His brothers didn't even know what they were doing. Yes, it was hatred and envy and then that the Lord will deal with them. You need to understand that you are God's child. Say, I'm God's child. And I want you to point at your neighbor and say, they're God's child. That means it's God's job to deal with them. It's your job to deal with you and God, right? You have, this is you and God. That's between them and God. And we go, but, 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 and the Lord says, okay, let's just get all the buts out. Let's just get all of the, you know, but you don't know and you don't understand. Let's just get all that out of you. Come on, you know the Lord's looking to get all that out of you. Who's already going through that? Who sees the Lord just taking all your past and all your hurts and all that stuff out of you? I just want to read the story very quickly so we know that he was sold, wasn't he? He was sold into slavery. And the story goes like this in Genesis chapter. Actually, firstly, let me just say this Psalm 105, and I'm going to read this a couple of times today. Psalm 105, verse 16 says, God called for a famine. So everyone should say, I want you to say that out loud, everyone. God called for a famine on the land of Canaan. Cutting off its food supply, and then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph. Who sent someone ahead? Who cut off the food supply? What do you mean God sent someone ahead? We're just about to read that his brothers sold him into slavery. Is the psalmist confused? So wait a second, when your brothers and sisters, when those who rejected you, those who should have loved you, those who should have supported you, those who should have stood alongside you and helped the dream that God put in your heart come to pass, instead they crushed you and crushed it out of their own envy, out of their own jealousies for what God was wanted, what they thought God should do through them. And yet the Bible tells us in Psalm, and I believe the Bible. See, this is why, you know, when you're doing a commentary and when we want to preach sermons as preachers, we should go check the rest of the word, see if the word answers itself before I try and answer it. And Psalm answers it for me. I don't have to be confused. The Bible says that God called 
for the famine, and God sent someone ahead. That means that God, even though the brothers and sisters that abused you and used you and cut you down and hurt you, and we've all been there. This is a sermon that works for everyone. Doesn't matter how old or how young you are, we've all been abused and used by somebody. We've all been put in places that weren't even our fault. And yet, it says that God sent someone ahead, which means that he was already, he used it. He saw before, he saw ahead, and he said, I'm going to use it. And not only am I going to use it, but Joseph, even though you're not going to like this story, who knows Joseph didn't like his own story. You don't have to like every part to your story. He likes the result. We like the results. And it's worth it. I can't help it. I keep alluding to part three. It was worth it. He's told God that God, he named his son Manasseh, which means that God made me forget my sorrows. When you let God get you through what you're going through, if you let, let me say that again, you got to let, you got to stay looking to God. If you let him do it, then you'll give birth to a Manasseh. The result will be, God has made me forget my sorrows, and he will place you in a place that you could never put yourself. So Genesis chapter 39, just very quickly, Joseph was taken to Egypt, verse 1, by an Ishmaelite, uh, Ishmaelite traders, and he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer, and Potiphar uh, was guard of Pharaoh. And captain of the guard, in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. I want you to say that out loud. The Lord, the Lord. is with me. So your brothers sold you into slavery. You were put into a position that wasn't your choice. All you wanted to do was love God and serve God. And now you find yourself in a place that's very opposite of what you would think would be God fulfilling the dreams in your heart. And yet it says the Lord was with him. We need to start to recognize God in every situation. We need to, and this is a word for you today. You need to live today. Stop looking to tomorrow. And now this is the thing. It's like there's this dual thing with, with Christ is that in one respect, we're always looking for tomorrow because it's an eternal kingdom, right? We're not living for here. We're living for eternity. And I know that he has blessings in store and victories in store. And if you're sick, then you're going to look to the healing, but you have to learn to trust him and live your life until that day comes, if you live your life, the best way to waste time is right there. Keep waiting for tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And it, the day will come, but you will wish that you lived a little more during that time. And this is, that's not a motivational sermon. I mean, that's real life. That is God. God is in the today. God is in the today. And in fact, if we don't get that, if you, who knows the story of Joseph? Keep fast forwarding. Who knows his story? Go to the end of the story. How important was it for him to realize, recognize God right here, right now, right at the beginning of the story? And he was with him, and he succeeded in everything he did. Now, who's proud when you're succeeding in slavery? Anybody proud being successful being a slave? But we need to learn to let God make us successful. Do you know? You just don't even realize it, but... We have given ourselves as slaves to the Lord willingly, right? There's an older word for that, which is a bondservant. That means it's a slave by choice. We have given ourselves to Christ. You made a commitment to him. You didn't just say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. You said, Lord, I make you Lord of my life. 
It's not just coming into your heart, but Lord, I, I want you to be Lord. As soon as you called him Lord, you bowed your knee. You can't just say it without the, the heart. If, it's, if it really was something out of your mouth, then your life will reflect it, which is a commitment to walk with him, a commitment to trust in him. And Lord, you use me however, wherever, and whenever you want. And so Potiphar noticed, the world notices. The world notices when God's with you. And, and, it, and he wasn't a God-fearing man, but he saw that the Lord was with Joseph, verse 3. And he gave him success. And this pleased Potiphar, verse 4. And he made him his personal attendant. He put him in charge of everything he owned, verse 5. Um, all his household affairs, because the Lord blessed Joseph, now he's blessing Potiphar's household as well. And everything he had flourished. In verse 6, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. We're missing, the Lord has so many victories. This is a faith message. This is a, this is a, a holding on to God message that God is going to do something through you. And like I already alluded, by the time he does it through you, it's, it's just about him. It's not about you. It has nothing to do with us except that we're the facilitator is going to do it through. And that's exciting. I want God to use me. Doesn't, don't you want God to use you? You just don't need the name. You don't need the credit. You don't care. You could care less when he gets done with you. But you just want to please God and want to love him. But, but I want to, at the same time, I want you to look with that hope, but I also want you to realize if you are still in bondage right now, if you've been put into a place of slavery, that this is the moment to check your heart. This is the moment to make the heart right. I can't prove it, so whenever the word doesn't say it for fact, I'm going to tell you that first. Then you can take it how you want. I can't prove it, but I don't believe that God will let you out of this situation until you've gotten rid of all of you. He's so good, he's so kind, and, and if you know his story, he's looking at, a gener he's looking at generations, millions upon, pe uh, millions upon millions of people. It's not just about you. There's millions of people that are going to be affected by one person. That's the truth. That's the Bible. And what I'm not sure about, but I believe, and it's my belief, okay? I'm going to just state that. But I believe the Lord will keep you in this place right here. He'll bless you. Who's been blessed? Well, you know you're not really free, but God's blessing and he's with you. Who can, who can identify with that? You're not free, but you know that God's with you. And you know that just you got to go through this process. There's no getting out of it right now. But God is with you. He hasn't left you. There's blessing. He's been blessing you. He's taking care of you. But you know that this is the place. There is no way. I mean, what are you going to do? Where are you going to run from Pharaoh? There is no running away. There's no running back. I mean, this is where you're at. And so then it gets deeper. Come on, everybody say it gets deeper. It gets harder. <laughs> the devil comes harder. The devil's pushed you so far. And he's like, man, this guy, so far he's been trusting God. I can't seem to touch this guy. So we know the story. What happens? I got to push him. I got to push him harder. This guy's been, I took everything. Devil thinks he's winning. 
thinks that, you know, he's listening, he's hearing the dreams too. He doesn't know everything about you. And I've said this so many times, I'll say it again, that even Jesus, he thought he was crucifying Jesus like he was ending the story, but he couldn't see, he was so short-sighted. The devil knew a little bit that this is the son of God or is this Jesus and I'm going to kill him and thought he won, but he couldn't see beyond. So the devil can see who you are and he's going to try to crush you and he hears the dream and hears you speaking and, he, and even if you don't blab it, he just kind of knows a little that this guy's different. I don't know how that works, but there's something about you. You're like a shining light in darkness, right? So there's something that they are seeing and they're coming. Who's known that he's coming around your life? I don't need to preach that to you. I don't need to convince you. You know he's trying to come around you to get you and give you his own story. He just can't see. He's short-sighted that what he's doing to crush and kill you is part of the setup. <laughs> he thinks he's setting you back, setting you back, setting you back, setting you back. And the Lord's going, this is, oh, this is great. Setting up, setting up, setting up. Devil said, I know what I'll do. I'll cause them to sin. Talk about a setback. Lost the glory of God. Doesn't even realize that the Bible tells us we can, I don't need to assume this. We can go to the book of John and says that Jesus is the word. He was with God. He was with God when creation was spoken into existence, which means even though sin looked like a major setback, pretty major, pretty major setback, but it was the exact setup for Jesus. Jesus didn't make sense in the state, the way that we know him coming to the earth and dying for us without sin. So the setback was a setup, and here's another setback in his life, isn't it? The Bible says that Potiphar gave Joseph everything. He's been blessed. Joseph is, it almost seems like Joseph has come to terms. This is where I'm at. It's not exactly where I'd like to be, but I'm not going to give, I'm not going to stop being faithful to God. And that's what we need right now. You need to say right now, whatever job you're in, whatever life you're in, whatever family you're in, whatever state you're in, whatever town you're in, you're right here. It's not what you planned, not what you wanted. This is where you are, and you've got to come to terms with that. So he comes to terms. This is not my family, but I'm just going to be faithful here. And so it says that Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Who made Joseph handsome? <laughs> The devil says, I can use that. I can use that. It says in verse 7 that Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Verse 8, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her. We don't know how many years it's been, but I'm amazed at his response. Who is God to him at this point? God has completely abandoned him. It seems like he doesn't, he hasn't, has he? But in the natural man, if you were to ask, if you were to go and poll the world, let's get rid of the Bible, let's get rid of everything we know about God, and let's just say, okay, my family sold me into slavery, they hated me, rejected me, thought about killing me, then they sold me, and now I've been in slavery for a good amount of years, and if you were to ask the world where God is, they would say, not with you. And God was with him, though, wasn't he? And he said, and I love this response. He said, he has held, he's talking, he says, uh, 
my master trusts me with everything in his entire household, verse 8. Verse 9, he says, No one here has more authority than I do, and he has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. Verse 11, one day, however, no one else was around, and when he went to do his work, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand. It says, she tells her husband that, the, that he tried to rape me in verse 14, and verse 16, she had the cloak as proof. Verse 17 she said that slave, that slave, right, putting a title on him, that Hebrew slave, accusation, no truth. Verse 18, I screamed, he ran outside. Verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So verse 20, so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison. He took him and threw him into the prison. A false accusation, bitterness, envy, hatred put him in slavery. And now a false accusation put him into a prison. A false accusation, and he was, and we can, and I love that the word tells us. It didn't have to. It could have just told us the story without any response from Joseph. Could have just said that he ran away, but I love that it tells us that he said, I'm God's guy. I don't understand this situation, and I don't understand why it seems like he's abandoned me and left and gave me a dream, and now I'm here, but I'm not sinning against my Lord. And it says that he was thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. The Bible doesn't tell us the time frames, but we do know this. We know at 17 that he dreamed a dream, and at 30 years old, he was released. So, and, and we're about to, there's a, a, in a moment in the verses, which we're not going to look at right now, he has an encounter with some other men, and it says it was two years before he was released from prison. So we don't know how long he was a slave and how long he was a prisoner. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know that for 13 years, Years. I want you to say that out loud. 13 years he was in bondage. Well, I don't know if it was 50-50, if it was 80-20, but he was in bondage. He had been in bondage for 13 years. And yet, it says in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. This is not a popular. We love preaching about getting out of, getting out, come, taken from the pit to the palace, right? Who's heard that sermon? From the pit to the palace. What about the pit? That was 13 years. Joseph's, you know, Joseph from heaven's going, wait a second. What did you do for the last 13 years? <laughs> Like, I want you to stop. It's not just from the pit to the palace. I was in the pit for 13 years. 
And it says the Lord was with Joseph. So wait a second. Maybe there's something to that pit. I want you to say that out loud. Maybe there's something to the pit. Maybe there's something to bondage and slavery and prisons that people put you in unjustly. Maybe God allowed it. Well, the Bible tells us in Joseph's case that he didn't just allow it, that it was on purpose. The Lord was with him in the prison, verse 21, and showed him his faithful love. Wait a second. The Lord showed him faithful love? So faithful love is not your circumstances. Faithful love is not your surroundings. The Lord being with you has nothing to do with what's going on around your life. The Lord being with you is working on in here. How are you going to respond? How are you going to handle this? And I thought this was interesting. The Lord just started to speak to me quickly just a quick thing that and I want to look at some verses that the Lord does try us and purify us and test us. He doesn't test us like the world does, though. The Pharisees tried to test Jesus to trap him. Did you know that? Right? New Testament. They tried to test him to trap him. God has never ever trying to trap you. We need to be clear about that. That his testing is because he knows that you're going to come through this. God knows that you're going to listen to him before you even got put there that this guy, this woman, they're going to lean upon me. And unfortunately, come on, just say unfortunately, you may have to go real low <laughs> real low before he brings you back up but he is not doing he has not allowed what's been around your life so that he could trap you and trick you that's the devil the devil was hoping that he could trap him and trick him the Lord was well aware and allowed these situations around his life. The Lord allowed it. Come on, I want you to say that out loud. The Lord allowed it. Why? Why did the Lord allow it? Because of how much he loved Joseph and his people. Wait, his faithful love? And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Gee, thanks, God. Your faithful love, I've just, just been soaking in it. Just soaking in your faithful love, Lord. Oh, man. It's so amazing. So amazing. Psalm 105, verse 19 says, They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Oh, Lord. Love it. Just lo I just said your faithful love, Lord. Oh, your love. His love is so good. Just went on this vacation with my family for a week, and I just felt the love of God. And then uh, 
And then my, my boss gave me a raise. I just feel the love of God. Who hears those things out there in the Christian world? Who's heard this? Uh, they put an iron collar around my neck. And until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Oh, Lord, I love you. Your faithful love. Come on, the Bible's real. Come on, say preacher, preach it real. <laughs> the Bible's good, isn't it? It says in the New King James, in verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Who tested him? The word of the Lord. But he wasn't testing him to trick him. It's not a trick. You have him put into your situation as some sort of sadistic trick. It's to get you out of you. Come on. You got to get you out of you. How do you know what's in you unless the Lord tests it? The testing is not, let's see how you respond. Let's just see what you do. The testing is this. Here's a clump of iron ore, of dirt and junk and grime, and I'm going to put it into the fire and I'm going to heat it up really, really hot so that the impurities separate from the gold, and the precious inside there. Now, that process is uncomfortable, but the result is beautiful. But nonetheless, the process, we're going, God, how could this possibly be your faithful love? And he's saying to you, stop being so short-sighted. Stop looking at where you're at right now. And look at what I'm going to do through you. Let me get this stuff out of you. So wait a second. It is love. It is love. I wish I had so much more time with you, and I don't. So quickly, it is love. Everybody say, it's love. It's his love. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Who loves Peter, man? I've been like, oh, man, the Lord has just been, oh, gosh. Oh, man, I could get off on some tangents, some rabbit trails. God is good. He loves us so much, and we need to just love him back. He wants to do so much through us. Man, the world's just got it so twisted. The grace of God. If you want to understand the grace of God, read Peter. Wait a second. That's not the book you go to find the grace of God. Go to Romans, Pastor. You didn't go to Bible school, did you? You have to balance, you know, God bound the whole Bible together on purpose. If it was meant to be individual books, he would do that. And he didn't, did he? If you want to read Romans Grace, you got to go read Peter. They don't make sense separate from each other and stop trying to teach them. This is, out, this is not for you. I'm just speaking of the atmosphere. Stop trying to teach them separate from each other. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that Jesus went through because the grace covers you. Grace of God covers you. Won't let anything happen to you because he loves you. His grace and his blood. Well, I'm sorry. Wait, 1 Peter. Sorry. 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Not what I just said. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that... Who? Don't be surprised. Say that out loud. Why are you so surprised? How come every time we get into a trial, we get surprised? We think that, you know, the devil says, oh, you made a mistake. You missed it. Devil says, you missed it. Shouldn't have went off blabbing your mouth off about your dreams. 
Come on. Who's felt condemned there? Should have kept quiet. Devil comes to condemn. And many other things we don't have time for. You can use your own example. It's not strange. Everybody say, it's not strange. It's not strange, it's not strange what's happening to you. Verse 13, instead be very glad. Wow. I'm just like you guys. I'm, a, I'm always happy during a trial. That's exactly what, I don't even need the Bible for this. I, exactly, Lord. I'm very glad right now. Feel the pressure, feeling the heat, feeling abused and used and, and everything else and feeling attacked, feeling falsely accused. And I just love you, Lord. Just love you. Falsely accused, stuck in prison for and. Uh, X amount of years, and I love you, Lord. It says that these trials, everybody say these trials, make you partners. Say that out loud. They make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Verse 19, so if you are suffering, everybody just raise your hand. It's not an if here, is it? If you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. God does not judge you for the situation around you. God does not judge you for your circumstances. This, the devil, it's condemnation. The devil highlights your circumstances, doesn't he? The devil highlights how you got there and maybe what you could have done or should have done to get yourself out of there. And the Bible says that God's, God uses the very same circumstances. Come on, everybody say, it's the circumstances that fuel the fire. Where's the fire going to come from? How is he going to get you to the place where you have the choice to react and respond and defend yourself? How can God get you to that place where then you make the choice, wait, then you make the choice to rely on God anyway? But how's that going to happen unless he allows the situation in your life to put you that deep and that dark? God is not afraid to send you down deep and dark roads. That's the Bible. If you don't believe me, just go home and read Joseph's story. And then if you say that's Old Testament, then just go read 1 Peter. Go read about Paul testifying about how much the love of God worked in his life. Remember when he was testifying about all the mansions he had? And all the great victories and all the all the other wonderful things. No, he doesn't do that ever. He actually, when he gives his list of, of things that he's proud of that he did for the Lord, he was like, I was shipwrecked and I was beaten X amount of times and I was out, we were out at sea for a couple of days straight and so on. That's what he's proud of. Not because he liked the suffering, he liked the result that came from the suffering. God did something in him, didn't he? Come on. 
if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. Wow. Wait a second. You mean in the, in the very place, the lowest place, the darkest place, the place of temptation, the place of false accusation, there's only one thing for you to do. Just keep looking to God. Keep trusting in God. He created you. Come on, this is, a, this is its own sermon right here. God created you. He will never leave you. Trust in God who created you. Trust the God who created you. He will never fail you. The devil's trying to get you to respond. He's trying to get you to react. He's trying to get you into your emotional place, and we'll get more into that next week. Trying to get you into bitterness, get you into all kinds of junk. That's where all that junk. But at the same time, you know what the Lord's doing? Don't be surprised that it starts coming to the surface. Don't be surprised that you think those things. Let the Lord scoop them off. They gotta come, you gotta have to let them come through you to get out of you. Wow. It's gonna come through you to get out of you. But then you say, yes, Lord, I don't just just get, just take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Who's telling the Lord to take it today? I could say a lot more and I won't, so let's just stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just raise our hands. Lord, take it. Let's just tell them, take it, Lord. Take it. Take it, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are, Lord, you have put a purpose in each of us. Lord, you've put a dream, Lord, and the world has twisted that, and even the church has twisted that idea, Lord, but it's real. It's still the Bible. You put something in each of us that only we can do. And Lord, it's your desire, even more than ours, Lord, to see it happen, for you to fulfill it. But I thank you, Lord, for it to happen in your way and so that we don't mess it up and so that we don't die in the process, Lord. You allow us to get heated up. Lord, you allow us to be bound sometimes. You've allowed the bondage. You've allowed the slavery. Lord, not to hurt us, but to get us to the place where we just keep trusting in you. We learn to lean upon you no matter what. There's nowhere else to turn but to you. There's nothing. I've got no strength. I've got no will. And yet, Lord, your blessing is still there. When we see that you're still blessing us, Lord, when there is no way it could be us. It can't be us. I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm, this is not even what I, I never, ever thought this, this would be me or here or what. And we just see there's the Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that at that place, we're starting to round third base, Lord. You're starting to get us home, Lord. We're about home. Thank you, God. So we're just going to keep trusting in you. We're going to trust in you, Lord. We're going to set our sights on you, set our sights on the purpose, and set our sights, Lord, on eternity. And I thank you, Lord. Just keep doing what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.